0: Well, good evening, New Life Fellowship. Home, sweet home. I am so happy to be with everybody tonight. It's so good to see all of you. Um, some of you are just very distant from my vision, but it's so good to see everybody. It's so good to to be back. I've been I've been in a, a busy travel season, and man, any time that my tires pull onto this this parking lot, I just immediately am overwhelmed with peace. It's a good thing I don't live too far away. Amen. I give honor to our pastor. Um, I, I just want to thank him for allowing me to, to speak, give him high honor, honor my husband, who I just need to tell y'all I have been married to for two years this past Sunday. And man, man. I think I'll stay married another two years, if that's okay with everybody else. Two plus 80, hopefully. Um, I know that we just prayed, but if, if you'll just indulge me for a second, I just feel led for us to just pray for revelation and wisdom to come over us tonight. Um, however that needs to be for you, if, if you 'd like to just bow your head or maybe just lift your hands where you are, but can can we just together ask God to reveal something to us out of his word that we 've never seen before? Can we, can we just do that, Father? I thank you for this this series that we 've been in, and I thank you for the freedom to gather. We don't have to worry about police coming in and shutting us down. We don't have to worry about persecution here. And I thank you for the freedom to be able to gather and learn of your word. And so Lord, I pray right now that you would just open up a portal of heaven straight down into this sanctuary of wisdom and of understanding God, of grace and of mercy. And Father, I bind every effort of Satan that would try and distract or condemn as we learn about your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's an honor to be asked to speak anywhere, but it's a high honor to be asked to speak at my home church. However, this is one of the most intimidating topics that has challenged me in research and study. We are currently in a series about being emotionally healthy, and this week I was assigned the topic of how to be an emotionally healthy person. Now, imagine coming home and telling your husband that, that you have been chosen to be the golden standard just for one moment of emotional health. And of course, he said, "Well, Kendra, absolutely. You've never lost your cool ever and you've you've never made a misstep emotionally ever." Derek doesn't lie, so I shouldn't I shouldn't lie on him there. I don't know about any of you, but this has made me laugh for weeks. And I don't know of one person that can stand here and claim that they are the picture of emotional health and they've always kept their emotions in check and submitted to the Lord every single day since giving their life to the Lord, I will be the first among you to dodge heavy bolts of any potential lightning and tell you that I have not kept my emotions level balanced and seminar worthy since I gave my life to the Lord every day of my life. I will just open up the floor and admit that right now. I'm currently back in school studying religion and counseling because I decided that I didn't have enough to do in my life and so I wanted to do that. And I hope to one day have my license to be a professional counselor because of how much I do believe in mental health, but I do need to make a very important blanket statement to all of you that I am not a licensed counselor, I am not a licensed therapist, and I have not graduated yet, so therefore I don't have a clue of what I'm talking about officially. I am by no means a professional or claim to be, And one Wednesday night lesson will not even scratch the surface on all God wants us to know about how to be emotionally healthy. I promise you that. I do believe, though, that the Lord has spoken to me some high points that you do not have listed on a handout due to the fact that I do not usually speak from notes. This laptop is just to give you the illusion that we will be finished by 730. The big question, however, is what is emotional health? What is it? And how do we become emotionally healthy? Honestly, I cannot tell you. I can't. I, I, I can't tell you. I'm still working on it. I can give you a hot list of several ways to be emotionally unhealthy. I can, I, I can tell you that. I'm ticking off those, you know, one by one every day. I can't give you a person or an example of emotional health other than Jesus Christ but what I can tell you is that it is a priority to him that we are emotionally healthy. I know this because he told me, and he's never lied to me, not one time, and also because it is in the Word. First, first Thessalonians 5, 23, it says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And that doesn't mean holy as in like, Him, as far as H-O-L-Y, that's holy, like our whole being. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This spirit, soul, and body thing is very serious to the Lord, and that's not the only time that it's mentioned in the word. Spiritual health is obviously important to the Lord, and we need a right spirit renewed in us, according to David in the Psalms. Physical health is very important to the Lord, as it's called our temple. And the health of our soul is incredibly, incredibly important. Our soul is responsible for producing emotions. That's where emotions are born. They're not born in our brains. They're not born in our minds. They are signals from the soul to your mind to tell you what's going on. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool? In Luke 1, 46 through 47, this is just, I don't know why this is one of my favorite scriptures, but I can just visualize it. I think I probably had a picture Bible or something that my mom got me, and this this had to be in it deep in my core memories or something. But I can just picture Mary saying this, and she gives us hints of what happens in the soul in Luke 1, through 47. She said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Our souls are magnifying glasses of affection. That's what our souls are. It's incredibly important. The um, the emotions, however, are the signals that our soul sends to our brains that send messages to our eyes. Now, I know that I just got so deep in scientific. I'm going to say that one more time and then I'll give you an example. Our souls are magnifying glasses of affection. And emotions are the signals that our soul sends to our brain and then sends messages to our eyes. Hey, you need to cry right now because this music is absolutely beautiful. Hey, you need to laugh right now because this meme that somebody just sent you is hilarious. Hey, you need to blush right now because your spouse is looking at you in a loving way. That's what's happening. Emotions are something, they're messages that are being sent to our brains of how to react. That's what produces reactions. We tend to understand and catch on quickly when our bodies are not healthy or they're very sick. We go to the doctor. There are several that are sick right now and and we're praying for them. When we sense that our spirits, however, we just talked about our bodies. When we sense that our spirits are sick or in trouble, where do we go? Right here. We go to the altar whether that's in this building or in your bedroom or wherever your altar may be. So what happens when our soul gets sick? What do we do? What, what do we do? Or are we even in touch with our soul enough to know if it's sick or if it's well? The only way to be in touch with our soul is through our emotions. Those are the indicators. And unfortunately, due to culture, and family backgrounds or insecurities in ourselves, we tend to stuff our emotions inside or release them in unhealthy ways. Now, I know that no one yet has come up here and thrown roses at me for these wonderfully comfortable concepts. And They're, they're coming. Thank you, Pastor. He's speaking in the prophetic tonight. He's not the pastor. He's the prophet tonight, in Jesus' name. But when we refuse to have a relationship with our emotions, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we are engaging in a form of pride. What this pride says is, I've got it all together. Nothing can faze me. I am a machine. I am competent. I am capable. I, that, that, that's, what, that's really what it is. And unfortunately, this pride can silently convince us that we are right, and we don't need anything as long as we just keep holding it together. Fake it till you make it. I, you know, I feel like this is a good time for confession. I hate those dumb sentences that rhyme, that make not a lick of sense. Fake it till you make it. What in the world? I, anyway. Unfortunately, though, pride can silently convince us that we're right and we don't need anything as long as we just keep holding it together. No, we don't need anything, not even God himself. And this is a universal problem. And I'm going to give you an example of the two parts of the United States that I've lived in, two different cultures. Now, I have to start this off by saying, I moved here on purpose and I know that I don't sound Midwestern whenever I get mad. When I get mad or nervous, I start talking slower and slower and slower. And my husband can attest to this. So I just want you to know that I have adopted myself into the Midwestern culture. Honorarily, I have. I moved here on purpose. I love it here. And I'll tell you some of the reasons that I love it here. So do not chase me out with torches until you've heard all of it. Okay? Is that, is that okay? All right. Let's talk about the South because I really don't know if we're live streaming or not And I don't think that we have anybody from the South really in here. And so, oh boy. Oh, man Okay, well, I need you to be my amen corner. Is that okay? Okay. All right Here's the thing about the South. I was raised in the heart of the South You want to talk about highly emotional expressive people. Wow Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Just a little louder for me. I, I appreciate it like, I was just in the South this Sunday. I was in Texas. And can I just say one thing right here about Texas? I'm from Louisiana. Louisiana and Texas are big rivals. Nobody explained to me why this is. This just is. It's just one of those unspoken things and man, Texas people love themselves from Texas, but it was so refreshing because I was there, and and I was I was a part of a mission Sunday. I was in an amazing church. I'm telling you, it was, it was crazy. It before before anything even happened, like before the band even started playing, people were just yelling. I mean, yelling loud about football, yelling loud about the Lord, yelling loud about where they were gonna eat, just just yelling. And then the music started, and then the worship was just out of control. And in a good way. And the pastor came to me after and he said, so what'd you think? And I said, sir, with all due respect, somebody could have gotten up in this podium and said the word Cheetos and people probably would have gotten the Holy Ghost. The South is just, it's very wildly expressive. They party hard. They get real drunk. They eat a lot. They love good food. And you can tell that they're rich through their material possessions. And my word, they sure love to laugh and carry on. They are highly emotional and expressive. And when it comes to confrontation, you're not going to have one question about whether you put your blinker on or you didn't. You're just not, you're going to hear about that directly through sign of a finger on a hand or a horn honk. I didn't say that the South was super spiritual. I said that they were emotionally expressive, okay? So that's, that's the place that I was born in, all right? But the Midwest, these, I'm just going to offer you some observations of my new culture and you guys can grade me on if this is correct or incorrect. Is that okay? (laughs) I just need a little more crowd participation and, and. And that'll, that'll help. Then I moved to the Midwest and I have found people that I love who say what they mean and they mean what they say. And I love that. I love that. Anytime somebody says, hey, we need to get together. And I'm like, yeah, let's get together. And they're like, okay. And they pull out the front, when, what time? And I'm like, whoa, you are serious. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Midwesterners, from what I have gathered, as my adopted family. They value work ethic, and they're not usually overly expressive. They only party on Saturdays or when there's not work to be done, and you just don't know if they have a lot of money because they don't spend it on entertainment. They just all go to Florida. I love y'all, but y'all some of the most Florida-loving people I have ever met in my life. And after this winter, I get it. I get the sunshine thing. I get it. Midwesterners, they're not overly or very emotionally expressive because when it comes to confrontation, I've studied very carefully the silent Midwestern protocol because I've heard it in conversation. It's a term that I hear often and sometimes it concerns me. It's usually said after someone else expresses emotionally how they feel about someone or something or, or whatever, and the, this phrase that I'm hearing has, is said with such pride, and it's usually said with a hand over the heart or the chest, and they say, and I mean, I just didn't say anything. I just kept my mouth shut and nodded. Where are we at? Is that, I'm, I'm hearing some chuckles because of some, some knowing glances, I've, I've heard that. And I've heard that in some of our students sometimes, and the first couple times I looked at him and I was like, why? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, why, why'd you keep your mouth shut? Why? Why didn't you, why didn't you stand up for this person? Or why didn't you say, well, I just, I wanted to be the bigger person. And I I didn't want to say anything. And here's the thing. (laughs) Please don't chase me out with torches yet. It's really going to get good. I promise you. And the Lord told me that he would move and it's really going to be fine. I promise. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if we're from the South. It doesn't matter if we're from the Midwest, the East Coast, Canada, or heaven itself. We are all required to take a hard look at Matthew 18 whenever it comes to confrontation and expressing ourselves by going to someone alone if we have an issue. This isn't just about confrontation. This is a principle in being in touch enough with our emotions to clearly state a need inside of you. Are we okay? How many of you have kids? I don't have kids. This is not an announcement. Maybe one day. But whenever I was a kid, maybe some of your kids have said this. You know, mommy, mommy, I'm hurting. Well, what is it, sweetie? Where are you hurting? Everywhere. Okay. And you're like, okay, but where? And you're, you're trying to narrow down this need. Like, is your ear hurting? No. Is your stomach hurting? No. Is your foot hurting? No. Is your head hurting? No. Well, where are you hurting? Everywhere. When I was a child, I spake as a child. Okay, But whenever I grew up in the kingdom of God, I, I put away childish things. It is very important for us in the kingdom of God, if we are going to be emotionally healthy, to know how to talk and to clearly communicate our own needs that come from our souls. Kendra, these are just opinions. I don't know if that's biblical. Well, it is uh, Hebrews 4:15 through16, it says something that we should really take a second look at. It says, "For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was, in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin." That's key. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Being bold and clear with yourself and clear with your need is very biblical. Why? To obtain mercy. I don't know one person in this room, myself chief among you, that does not need mercy daily. Daily. The issue is that we as Americans are absolutely spent glorifying busyness and success, that we are not in tune enough with our own soul in order to be emotionally healthy. So, how do we feed our soul? Sabbath, Sabbath, that's how we feed our soul. And Sabbath, I hate, to, I hate to be the bearer of bad news today, but I'm on a roll already. Sabbath does not mean Sunday. Sabbath means stop. Sabbath does not mean Sunday. Sabbath means stop. Honoring the Sabbath is a commandment that we really think we've got nailed down But in all actuality, a lot of us, myself included, until recently had no clue about, I just thought that it was coming to church for an hour and a half on Sunday and I was really honoring the Sabbath. But Sabbath means stop. I was in Israel um, just a couple of weeks ago, and one of my favorite questions to ask some of the um, he- Hebrew cab drivers and, and um, some, of the, some of the people, the, Is- the Israelis that celebrated Sabbath, I said, how was your Sabbath? I was actually there for two Sabbaths. And they said, oh, it was so wonderful. And I said, well, what did, you, what did you like about it? Because what happens over there, time stops. All work stops. Everything stops for 24 hours. And for those of you that have been, you know, because that's how they honor the law of the Lord. And so everything stops. We're, we're not allowed to take pictures in certain places because they think that pushing the button on your phone is work. That's, that constitutes working. Um, there's some elevators that are special that don't constitute having to push a button to, in order to get into that elevator because that that implies work. And instead of um, scrambling eggs for breakfast, they only do boiled eggs the night before because they'll keep. I mean, this Sabbath takes some serious intention and that could be an entire series that I'm not going to go off on. But I will tell you that it was very moving to talk to some of these older men and, and some of these older women I said how was your Sabbath how did you like it and they said oh I love it because because I look forward to it it's time it's time for me to just to just stop the the resting I love being with my family the connection to God they would say with a smile I don't endorse every view of this book, so please do not email your complaints to pastor. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but 2023 is the year that we don't email our complaints to pastor. I forgot to send that out in the memo. He didn't ask me to say this. I just I just decided to say it. Maybe in 2024 you can resume your complaints, but 2023 we're taking a Sabbath from complaints. So don't complain to him if you do not agree with this book because I don't endorse every single um, doctrine or doctrinal view in it, but if you would like a wonderful book on Sabbath. It's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's going to be an orange book with a line through the word hurry, and it's really wonderful. Our souls need rest and balance so that our emotions can be balanced. I know I might have lost several people in here that claim, well, I'm just not an emotional person, and this lesson is really for that woman sitting on the other side of the church. I I understand that. I will gently but firmly say every person in this room was made to be an emotional person because you were made in the image of Jesus Christ, and he experienced the full range of emotion. He did. You may say you're not emotional, But the truth is that there has been probably trauma that's built up early in your life that's compounded and clouded your emotions because you may be afraid of what you find down there whenever you sit still enough to listen. I'll ease up on that for a second and give some proof of how Jesus was fully God, fully man, and fully emotional. I did not give uh, media these scriptures just because we're just going to fly through them very quickly. Um so if you're writing down notes if you're taking notes I'll just give you some of these references. Jesus grieved. In John 11:35 it's the shortest verse in the Bible and it says Jesus wept. Jesus was no stranger to grief. He allowed himself to feel emotions. I just want to pause and encourage you. If if no one has ever said this in your life or if you've never heard anybody say this, I just tag me and I'm it tonight. I encourage you if there's been a death of a person or a dream or a job, or a part of your life that you may have felt like you had to grow up really fast to get over, I encourage you to grieve that. I encourage you to grieve that. Jesus did. He did. He grieved because he loved. Jesus got angry, and let me tell y'all something. There is nothing better to me than a good old Pharisee rebuke. I'm telling you, I get lost. I have to read that chapter over and over and over. Matthew 23 is just, it is just beautiful. I'm telling you, Jesus goes all the way off on Pharisees. He gets so angry. He talks about all of these, all of these things that they've made and into, into religion that is actually tradition. It's, it's wonderful. But he got angry. He did. Does that give us license to be angry and sin? No. We'll get into that in a second. Jesus felt disgust. He felt disgust. John 2, 13 through 17, Jesus walks through the, through the temple and sees all of the injustice and all of the poor that's being oppressed in the name of, of God and of sacrifice. And he throws over tables again. Again, this is not um, permission for you to go around overthrowing tables. Um, this is permission, though, to feel emotions of disgust. What about some good emotions, Kendra? I'm so glad you asked compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. Three times in Matthew was he moved with compassion. In Matthew 9 36, in Matthew 14 14, and in Matthew 18 and 27, he was moved with compassion. And I just I just want to say this. This is this is totally a rabbit trail just for a quick second. I always know when healing is in the room in a church service because either the the minister um, talking or some or 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 people around you will feel a weeping in your spirit. You will feel this, this overwhelming burden of compassion. That is a hint of the spirit that healing is in the room. That's an emotion we do not need to be afraid of in this, in this house. That's an emotion that we do not need to shove down or stuff down because, because it's not cool for men to cry or whatever. That's, that's something that we do not, we cannot afford to shove down or push away just because we don't like crying or, or we don't like feeling out of control. Maybe, maybe in our hearts whenever we're just totally engrossed with compassion for someone else. That's a hint that healing is in the room. And I don't know about you, but every time I'm out in that city, I see people that need healed. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that this house is the place that it can happen. frustration. Jesus felt frustration. And Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you felt frustration because it makes me feel a little less crazy sometimes. Matthew seventeen fourteen through 20, he was very frustrated with his disciples whenever he was looking at them and they were asking him, well, why couldn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we cast this devil out? Why couldn't we do all this stuff? And Jesus is just looking at him saying, guys, how long do you have to be with me in order to catch this? Jesus got frustrated. he also felt reluctance, excuse me in agony in the garden in luke twenty two and forty two He even said to the Lord, he said, Not my will, God, but thine be done. He felt agony over over this issue i wouldn't dare try to minimize our salvation and the cross to just an issue but he felt agony over that he felt reluctance to go through with that there's a key thing here with this emotion that Jesus felt it's okay for us to feel it but what did he do in the end he submitted it to God he submitted it to God he said God I don't want to do this I don't want to do this. There are some things, I feel this in the spirit, that God is asking you to do. There's some sacrifices that God is asking this house to make. There are some, there are some things that, and some, some depths in prayer that God is asking of this church to go into. And it's going to require a lot of sacrifice and it's going to require a lot of inconvenience of our flesh and of our wants. We can feel frustrated in our flesh, but the ultimate submission is found in this verse where he says, God, not my will, but thine be done. And finally, Jesus experienced joy. In John 15 and 11, he's talking about things and he's, he's saying, you need to do this so that my joy will abide in you. That my joy will abide in you. Jesus had emotions, but he had boundaries around them. Everybody say boundaries. He had boundaries around them. He was not emotionally out of control. We see this in Ephesians 4 and 26 because the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. It is okay to be angry, but do not sin and let it overtake you. Get to the bottom of why you're feeling what you're feeling. Take time. It's okay to take time and approach your soul with curiosity. Why am I feeling this way? What in the world? Why, why am I feeling this way? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell on myself. Um, I know that some of you may not know the side of my husband, um, but he's hilarious and I'm gonna tell on him for just a moment. We were watching a documentary about, uh, the British press in regards to Princess Diana one night of how she passed away and all of the things surrounding her death and all this stuff. And it was, it was a long time. My husband, I am very proud to say, is a very, very emotionally balanced, I feel, okay? His wife, I cannot speak for. But yet, we are all subject to this display this evening. So we're watching this, and he's just emotionally very balanced. He watches it, retains the information, and he's like, wow, okay. And I get up, having personalized and ingested this entire story, Brother Barber, that still makes me mad, to this day, of how she passed away. And I get up and I start going into the kitchen, and I don't know I don't know, maybe we, I don't know if we're cooking or something I go into the kitchen and I was, I was probably loudly exclaiming my distaste for whatever butter was in the refrigerator. Or, or why the pan wasn't heating up so fast and just why it wasn't, why, why, why all these things. And I, he's asked me something and I turned around and I snapped, not at him, at least that's what I thought, you know, and I was just like, well, it's just because, you know, and I, and I was talking about something, something that was going on in the kitchen and he looked at me so lovingly and kindly and he said, don't be mad at me. I'm not the British press. I didn't kill her. I didn't do it, Kendra, and I busted out laughing. And I said, You are right. You are not the British press. And, and we just, we just we started laughing. We, we started laughing. There was anger that came up inside of me because I don't know about you guys, but I've got a strong core against injustice. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, 2020 was a bad year for me. I have a, a strong core against injustice. What is that telling me? At the, whenever I can stop and sit and think about why does that make me so angry? Nine times out of ten, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say ten times out of ten. If I can really look at my soul, like just stop and pause and look at my soul with a deep curiosity, I can pinpoint something that happened in my childhood or something that happened to somebody that I love that I still have not resolved that that wasn't right. My anger could turn into a sin once acted on. But the key is, is to use these emotions as an indicator of what's really going on here. What's what's really going on here? How does God want to heal some hidden stuff inside of me? Ecclesiastes 5 and 6 says something amazing. It says, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Look. Look, y'all, I've read the Bible a lot, but today when I was reading over that, it just felt like the first time, and it hurt so bad. (laughs) Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. We must have boundaries around our emotions, and we cannot afford to ignore or delete our emotions because then we run the risk of silencing our soul. I want my soul to be able to magnify the Lord. Amen. I want my soul to be able to do what it, was, what it was created to do, and that's to magnify the Lord. I'm going to tell a story that I, I really argued with the Lord a lot on telling, but, I, but I'm going to tell this story. Um, in November of last year, I started, I started having a lot of pain in my body. Like a lot, a lot of pain in my body. And I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I'm 32 years old. I felt a lot older than that. Like I was joking with my friends about like, yeah, man, you know, I got to put like, I got to put out on my back, like, you know, all the time. And they're like, Kendra, that's not like, that's not a thing. Like we take Advil, but that's, that's not a thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And, and then I started noticing that whenever I was talking to people or whenever I was standing up for a long time. I was I was doing this number, and my feet were hurting, and my legs were hurting, and and the, I was having a lot of trouble standing, and I was shifting my weight a whole a whole lot, and I just noticed that my back was was hurting so bad, and I was like, man, what in the world is the deal? And I got through I got through Christmas. It was it was a bit of a marathon, but I was I was indoors a lot because I had this we have this chair in our house that really helped, and I was just moving. I was aching. I was taking a lot of aspirin. And I just, I told Derek, I was like, something's not right. Something's just not right. So at the end of December, God really put us in touch with an incredible um, doctor. And I went and I had an extensive amount of x-rays done and blood tests and all these, all these different things. And um, they said, you know, after the first of the year, just come back. We'll have your results. We'll talk about it. And we'll make a plan. And so I said, okay. So I think it was like the second day of January, maybe I go back in. And they start reading my scans, and I notice that they take me into a room. There's this whole team of doctors there, and um, they introduce themselves one by one, and they have me sitting on this, on this examination bench, and they point up to the screen, screen with all these x-rays, and um, they said, Do you, can you put a maybe just a dot like on where you think your heart should be? And I was like, I don't think this is going well. You know, like it just, like, context clues tell me this is not going well. And so, so uh, I'm like, there, you know, I, I don't know. And they moved my hand about, I don't know, what felt like, like six inches down. And they said, your heart has been shoved into your stomach. And I was like, I don't feel like that's where it should be. <laughs> you know, I I didn't do medical. I'm, I'm a missionary, okay? And uh, in order to be a missionary, you just have to have a lot of faith, not a lot of education. And I, didn't, I just felt like that was not quite where it was supposed to be. And they said, L- let, let me just turn around these x-rays here for a second And they turned my x-rays around, and my back had curved so bad. And I knew, and I I just interrupted them. I was like, listen, my grandma's passed away. She's with the Lord. But if she was here, she would talk to me about my posture. And I just want to apologize. And they were like, Kendra, there's no way that you were ever going to have good posture. And I said, why? And they said, because your back has curved so far, That whenever I was looking, the the doctor said, when I was looking at these x-rays, I had to stop and check your age several times. Because it looks like um, the age of some of my patients that are 80 years old, that their back is deteriorating. They said, your, your bones, your vertebrae, all of these things, it's disintegrating and deteriorating. And what this has done is your back has curved over, that your shoulders have now, your, your whole cavity right here has started shoving your heart down into your stomach, and there's an overlap, so there's no, there's, there's no telling, you know, why, why you were leaned over and why, why things happen. And I said, but it seemed like it accelerated so fast. And the man stopped, and this is when I knew he was a Jesus guy. The whole team, actually, praise God. He said, "I don't know what brought you in here, why that pain accelerated so much." He said, "But we've all talked before you got in this room, and there's something inside of you. What what do you what do you do?" And I said, well, "I'm a missionary," and then I, I explained, you know, some of some of the other things. And he said, "Okay." He said, "There's something inside of you that the entire world needs to see." He said and I firmly believe that God allowed you to to have your pain accelerated so that he would bring you in here because we want to be the ones to fix you. And I said I don't and I I was just very open as I am. I said I said I don't mind that at all. You know, I just want you guys to know that the Lord will be the one that will do it, but but if you want to be used of the Lord to help facilitate this healing, I am I'm absolutely for it. And he said he said, can I ask you a personal question? I'm looking around, there's like six other guys in the room. And I'm like, sure, this isn't personal at all. You know, my heart's in my stomach and, you know, 80 years old. And all, no offense to anybody 80 in here. It's just, I just want to like grow a couple more years. Um, he said, what has happened in your life that has made you watch your back so hard that your whole body followed your head that you've kept your head down in order to cover and protect your heart? What has happened in your life? And I looked at him very kindly and I said, sir, I would just like for you to know that I do have a therapist. Like we, like, we do not have to get into this here. And he said, that's good. He said, you're going to need it. He said, I don't know what has happened to you. He said, but I can tell that for, for a lot of your life, you have lived with your head down and with your back covering your heart because you don't want the world to see your heart. He said, and I'm telling you, he said this, I feel the spirit of God in this room, and you need to learn what it is to straighten yourself out and put your heart back on display because the world needs to see it. I think he's available for Sunday, if you if you want to. And I just stood there like mouth wide open. Um, he said, I, I feel like we can fix you. Absolutely, I, I feel like we can fix you. He said, but what's going to happen is is you're going to start feeling... It's going to be a very excruciating and painful process. You're going to need to stop traveling just for a little bit until we can, we can do this. You're going to need to come in several times a week. Um, we're going to, we're, we have a customized plan for you, but we really, really, really believe that we can help you. And so part of that was acupuncture. And they're like, we're going to, we're going to bring you to acupuncture. I'm like, man, this day just could not get any better. Bring on the needles, you know? So I go back... I'm laying down and there's needles all over me um, with no tattoo, by the way. And, and I'm laying there and I just said, God, you can heal me in an instant. You can heal me in an instant. So you tell me, do you want me to submit to this process because you want these people saved? Do you, do you want to do a miracle for, for their sake? For, uh, what, what do you want me to do? And I felt the Lord specifically tell me, submit to this process Because they're going to fix you externally. I'm going to heal you internally. And I want them saved more than I want you healed. But I do want both. So I said, okay. Okay. All right. So I submitted to that process. And y'all, I cannot even begin to tell you the conversations that I have had with that team. I walked in I wasn't planning on telling all of this but I really feel to tell this I walked in into that doctor's office one day and one of the guys on the team he, he threw his head back in his chair and he said he said what do you do what is going on he said there are angels that have flooded this room who in the world are you and I just walked straight through the door I said that's the power of God sir that is that's the Holy Ghost that's not because I'm just real beautiful that's that's the power of God sir we need to talk about this for a second. Tears just streamed down his face. He said, I I know what you're talking about. I had family in this. I I know what you're talking. We still talk. I saw him. I saw him today at the doctor's office. We, We talked and we chatted. Here's why I'm telling you this. Here's why I'm telling you this. God is not done doing a work inside of my body. He's not done doing a work. I'm pumped at the work that he has done. The Lord spoke to me that he would do a massive work inside of me in Israel. I went to Israel, you would have never known a thing was wrong. We were out there, weren't we, Amanda? Eight, nine miles a day, climbing up mountains, doing all kinds of stuff. You would have never known that anything was wrong. Here's what the Lord wanted to continue to do in me. He wanted to heal my emotions. He wanted me to have a time with him where I was flat on my back in my bed, crying my eyes out, saying, God, I'm in so much pain, I can't even lift up my phone." to text somebody and the Lord spoke to me and started talking to me and saying okay okay so let's talk about what has put you here let's let's talk about what has put you here let's talk about all of that trauma Kendra that you have to just lay hands on anybody thank you you're very quick to just lay hands on anybody that needs an emotional healing. You're very quick to say, Yes, yes, it can do it for them. And yes, I can do it. But whenever it's time for you to get alone, you don't think that I will do it and show up for you. My soul was sick. My soul was sick. And because I diminished the needs of my soul and I shoved down emotions and covered them with all kinds of things, covered them with, oh, I'll just, I'll just go over here. I'll just have coffee and, and encourage this person. I'll just go on this mission trip. I'll just go and do all of these things. Because that started happening within me, I started covering up a very sick soul. And whenever the soul is off, the body is off. And whenever the body is off, the spirit is off. Everything starts going. Everything starts going out of line. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. The Lord, the God of peace wants to sanctify you wholly. holy. And the reason, the reason that he wants to do this is not really even just for you and for your family and for your legacy. It's for lost people all over this city. So, what I am saying to you in the Holy Ghost, I am making a plea and I am begging you, please, for the love of God and for the love of this city, we have got to get over our pride, straighten our backs out, show our hearts to this city, but at first they've got to be whole. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I do. God's taking me through a process. I'm not totally done with it. I can very confidently say to you that the Lord has done a massive work. I went to the doctor today and they said, Kendra, we have no idea how in the world that you are still upright after the trip that you took, after all all of the things that happened. We have no idea how how your body is sustaining this progress. And I told them, I said, I told you that the Lord would heal me. I I told you that the Lord would heal me. I said, but it's, it's come at a Price of taking a look at my soul. So I feel to say this, and 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 then Pastor can come in just a moment after we pray and he can close and he can say what whatever he feels. If you commit to this, I'm not a professional, I can't give you a one, two, three-step plan. If you commit to being whole in your spirit, your body, and your soul. Here's what I'm telling you and I'm warning you is going to happen. The Lord is going to gently allow pathways in your brain to open. This is scientific, by the way. He's going to allow pathways inside of your brain to open. And all of, there's, there's a lot of us that some of these things that we've been very afraid of that we have been very professional at pushing down and just, just continually just running away from it just for the sake of our marriage or our family. But it's really destroying us from the inside out. God is going to open up pathways in your brain and he is going to give you a space of grace to submit that to him and say, okay, God, my soul is sending my brain an emotion of angst. My soul is sending my brain an emotion of depression. My soul is sending my brain this this, this message of abandonment, of of loneliness, of things that things that happened to me, of, of 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 being a victim of something that you didn't ask for. I'm telling you in the spirit, I'm telling you in the spirit. God wants to heal you, not just for the sake of you. He loves you that much just to do it for the sake of you, but for the sake of this city, for people that are broken, for people that are dying, for people that maybe their bodies are in great shape and maybe their souls are in great shape, but they don't have the spirit yet. Maybe they're, maybe they're bodybuilders. Maybe, maybe their soul is great and they're very in touch with all of their emotions, but maybe they don't have the spirit of God in them yet. Could you commit to healing your soul for them? Could you commit to healing your soul and sitting alone for a second and saying, okay, God, open it up. Open up these pathways. Don't let me hide anything before you, Almighty God. Your eyes search to and fro of every place. God, God, look upon me, incline your ear to me, and heal me. I firmly believe, and this is a theory, this is an opinion. I never like to talk about opinions. I feel like the word of God can just stand alone on itself. But I firmly believe that the boy that, that Jesus healed, that was possessed with devils, just had a sick soul. I firmly believe that the boy that, that, that was possessed, it started with just a sick soul. And I wonder how many disciples of Christ or people that knew Christ passed that boy by, but because they may not have been so in touch with their soul themselves, it took Jesus coming down and saying, hey, it's done. The Lord spoke to me, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll leave, and, and it'll be succinct, and it's almost 730. But the Lord spoke to me very clearly that there is a wave of revival that's coming to this church. Now, when I say wave of revival, people think, you know, that there, people are just going to magically flood in the doors because, you know, they thought that the building was cool. I'm, no, I'm, I'm talking about a wave of revival that takes a lot of work. It, it, a wave of revival that really depends on us and who's at our table and how, how much bread that we're baking literally and spiritually for them. There's a wave of revival that's coming, and it's coming through love. And I, this might be controversial, and I submit to Pastor, if, if, if I've said anything wrong here, please, he is right and I am wrong. But I submit to you that it's not just going to be out of kindness, it's going to be out of love from healed souls. From healed souls that can hold capacity to sit at tables saying I doubted God too. My family member didn't get healed and I still love him. My yes, you're right. I don't I don't know. My kids aren't even in this church right now. I don't even I don't even know what to do. But you know what? They're in the hands of the Lord. And having enough guts to lay our pride down and look at people and meet them right where they are, right where Jesus met them every single time. And yes, bear parts of our healed soul and look at them and be emotionally healthy and them say, hey, this world is crazy. How in the world do you keep your emotions in check? And you can look at them and smile and say, I've got a healed soul. The Lord has healed my soul. Can we all stand? I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you do not receive it, then do do not receive it. And I, I mean that very kindly and carefully. Do not receive it. But for those that want to start a journey of healing your soul. And giving pieces back to God of your heart that you have hidden just for the sake of not wanting to show any kinds of emotion. I don't know what your family's like. I don't know if your mom or your dad said, dry it up, stop crying all the time. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if it's cool in your family to cry or not. I don't know if it's cool in your family to be joyous or if people tried to put a thumb on that whenever you were younger. I don't know. What I do know about the family of God is that Jesus is not afraid of any of your emotions. He's not afraid of anything that has happened to you. He's not afraid of any of your thoughts. He's here with arms wide open. And so what I'm going to pray is for those of you that want to commit to go on a journey of being whole in spirit, soul, and body, and emotionally healthy in this church, in our finances, in our own selves. If you want to commit to that journey, I want you to lift your hands, and I'd just like to just pray a blessing over us right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, there are people, there are your children. We've gathered tonight, and we've we've learned your word. And God, there is a journey before us of soul healing. There's a revival before us in this city, Lord, that is only going to come by love. And in order to truly love like you, God, we have to, we have to reveal every part of ourselves so that you can heal us. So, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray protection. God, I speak balance, Lord, in the spirit to this congregation. Father, I speak, Lord, a steadiness to just still over uh, the spirits and the hearts that are in this room. Lord, I know that whenever we give ourselves over to processes with emotions, that we don't control or we don't get a say in what you reveal, what pathways in our brains you open up. So, God, to the ones that have been abused, to the ones that their pathways are going to open up, I speak the peace of God over them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, to the ones that have been abandoned, to the ones, Lord, that that have experienced grief and loss beyond anything that, that even friends can comprehend, Lord. Lord, to the ones that have, that have felt so alone and so abandoned that they felt that, that taking their life was the only option or, or depression or substance abuse, God, was the only option. I speak peace, Lord. I, I ask that you show us that you're walking out on that storm and you're lifting your hands and you're saying, peace be still. God, we give our minds to you. We give our bodies to you. We give our spirits to you, Lord. We give our souls to you, Almighty God. Lord, we do this not just for the sake of our families, not just for the sake of our marriages and our children and our legacies, but God, we do this for our city. So Lord, enhance this process, God. Protect us in this process. And Father, restore us the joy of our salvation. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. All the people said amen. We are on a journey to, um, to see God do things in our lives that may not always be external, but there is something um, inward that we need from the Lord, especially in this hour. And probably every generation sought for this too, but with a myriad of of emotional duress and, and even what has happened in the last few years um, that has never occurred in the history of mankind when the world was completely shut down. Many things have been exposed in the hearts and lives of people and not the least of which is just an alienation of friendships and community, of trust and talk and touch and and um, fellowship. And out of that has come um, great deficits and the exposing of, of fault lines, of of damaged lives. And that isolation um, has hurt and wounded many people. Our confidence is, is in the Lord. We know that. Paul wrote, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the new birth. It's it's the beginning. And so you're at the start, your starting line. But there is so much more to learn after that. And I think what Sister Kendra has presented tonight is so applicable to where we are um, Sister Jetty said something to me a couple of years back um, as she just really made a deep, deep, and even deeper commitment with the Lord and then her most kind and sweet husband uh, baptized in the name of Jesus. She said, my soul has been healed. I've, I've saved my soul, my soul. And so there is a confidence that comes from that. Um, so we're on a journey. It's, it may not be a fixed point or a destination, but we're all working on that. And there are different levels. Uh, we don't expect everyone to be at the same healed point because we're all dealing with history and environment and upbringing and then the cares of this life. But I will say that you're in an atmosphere where a saturation of the Holy Spirit takes place. And every time that you walk in, and whatever is said, whatever is preached, what we heard tonight, um, what we heard tonight, it helps us. It is a healing balm. It is a saturation of the Holy Ghost. It is the word that we heard tonight. I didn't I didn't really hear very many opinions. I heard Sister Kendra speak the word tonight. And the word that something happens with the word. The Bible says we are washed by the water of the word. Amen. And so this is a word, church. And we want to be emotionally healthy. So we're all going to walk that way. Amen. And whatever level you're at, whatever stage you're at, you may rise up and have a little dip, but you're going to keep coming back here. And the Holy Ghost is going to keep washing you. and The Word's going to keep washing you. And God's going to keep doing the work in your life. Amen. Amen. This is so good. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.